Welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Welcome back, buddies. Long time no see. What's it been? An hour? Two hours? Who knows? But it's another episode of everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. Joining me today is my very good buddy, Mr. Joe Lang, and my new buddy, Alan. How you guys doing today? Doing great. It's uh, it's sunny and what forty something in Erie in January. I know that's rare. Yeah, I'll take that mm-hmm. every day. Every mm-hmm. day. <laughs> so for everybody's out there who aren't familiar, Joe and Alan work for a wonderful organization known as Lakeshore Community Services. For since some of our buddies, we have buddies from everywhere, from Erie, from New York, all the way to California, all the way across the world. Could you tell us what Lake uh, the, about Lakeshore? Uh, Lakeshore Community Service is a private nonprofit organization that uh, provides uh, uh, a variety of services to folks, mostly with uh, serious, persistent mental health issues and uh, intellectual disabilities. Nice, nice. And how did it all get started? Like, what's the history behind Lakeshore? Uh, Lakeshore was founded in 1986. Uh, uh, by Dick Rudy, who was our previous CEO and founder. Uh, he responded to a request for proposal from Erie County at the time, who was returning folks from state centers to their home communities of records, home, home communities, um, as they closed and reduced uh, the population in state centers like Evansburg, Polk, um, Sealings Grove. And when he responded to the request for proposal. He was uh, fortunate to be selected as a provider and opened three community residential facilities here in Erie um, that uh, uh, continued to grow rapidly um, and uh, expanded continuously. I think when I started in 1992, we had uh, six facilities. And since then, we went to a high of, uh, I think, 41 and then when COVID hit and the staffing crisis, which we're experiencing right now, like everyone is, uh, we've actually, what we prefer to call right-sized the organization as opposed to downsized, because it's not like we're kicking folks out to this curb, but through natural attrition, whether they move on to uh, less, uh, more independent living environments, uh, require more medical care, like in nursing homes, or um, uh, just move on, um, as that occurs, we reevaluate our options and we consolidate vacancies and have closed homes. And now I think uh, I think since the pandemic uh, started, we've closed a total of six homes. Uh, so we've re- reduced our residential program significantly. Um, at an all-time high, we're up to 500 employees and now we're down to about 340. Um, but we could hire almost 45, I should say 45 full-time people tomorrow and not have to change a thing other than reduce our overtime. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, I got to ask, how did you both find the opportunity? How did you both start at Lakeshore? 
So I'll let you go first. I was going to say, Al Alan's story is probably uh, much longer than mine. <laughs> I actually just celebrated my one-year anniversary in October here. Uh, so, uh, and this may come up later, Alan may, may tell you, but, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alan, but the, the nickname for Lakeshore was the Quiet Agency. Is that right, Alan? Quiet, quiet quality. We were known for quiet quality. <laughs> yeah, so quiet quality. So, um, one of the things that they wanted to do moving forward was was put Lakeshore on the map and let let people know about Lakeshore Community Services as opposed to Lakeshore Country Club because typically when you say Lakeshore in Erie, people think first about the Country Club. So my job is to make Lakeshore Community Services top of mind. So uh, that was kind of their desire and their vision for the company, and they were gracious enough to offer me uh, a position. Like I said, a little over a year ago. And uh, I, uh, I've never done anything else, uh, but I thought this was a great opportunity. Alan was very convincing, and I took the job. I think there's a little more to that story than that, but <laughs> it's, it's funny. You know, I've known Joe for about 25, 30 years since I've lived in here, but never met him until about a year ago but, uh, with his presence. And then you were like, oh, no. I like, yeah, I recognize that voice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Joe, Joe uh, uh Joe came, uh, like you said, a year ago, and uh, uh, he's learning very quickly that uh, uh, it's a unique and uh, wonderful place to work. Um, but I, I came a different route, obviously. Uh, I started out when I was uh, 19 years old as a direct care professional and another provider going uh, working part-time as uh, I went to college. And when I graduated college, I, I ended up staying in the field, and I worked for a provider in Cory, and the state was initiating another uh, service opportunity to expand uh, uh, community-based facilities. And they were downsizing Warren State Hospital. And part of that program was a uh, 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 class action suit known as Ruth L. And uh, Court Counseling, where I worked in Lakeshore Community Services, were selected as providers for that uh, project. And that's where I met Dick Rudy. And so we we did some collaboration and what have you. And I was at a point where uh, I was looking for a bigger challenge and uh, a person had just walked that he had hired to run the Ruth L project had actually no called, no show to work. And uh, I reached out to him and I, and I came here in 1992. Um, and I've been here ever since. And uh, since that point, we've uh, we've gone from uh, I think when I started with six provider or six houses, uh, we've grown dramatically and we've expanded services uh, dramatically to a diverse population. We serve over 800 people a month. And uh, at one point, we're the 23rd largest provider or employer in Erie County. Um, and to Joe's point about qu quiet quality, nobody knew we existed. And so when um, we'd never had any made any efforts at fundraising, uh, you can't really make attempts at raising funds when nobody knows who you are, what you do and where you're located. And so uh, we're making the effort with uh, the marketing push here and Joe's efforts to uh, change that and start uh, uh, expanding even further and seeking funds where previously we never had uh, pursued them. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Alan a pat on the back here that he, he doesn't do for himself. Uh, and the, the part, again, he, he will broad brush a lot of stuff on this thing here, Nick. But one of the things that Alan won't tell you is he's done it all. I mean, he, he worked in the group homes when he put himself through college. Uh, he's, you know, some of our group homes, he actually built those homes. He was the general contractor 
on some of those homes. So, uh, and again, he's my boss and, and this is not sucking up as he will tell you, um, but it's, uh, he is, uh, the nice part about Alan is it's very hard to go to him and say, well, this is happening and he hasn't experienced it in some fashion or another. So he, he's really worked his way up from the bottom all the way to be CEO. And that's nice, you know, that was, I, I always tried to maintain that position at the radio stations too. I, I would always say I never asked a part-timer or an intern to do anything that I haven't done. And that's really a nice aspect about Alan. I mean, like I said, he, he's worked in the group homes. He's done um, he's done the finance part of it. He's he's done the management part of it. Uh, and he's even, like I said, been the general contractor. H how many group homes have you built, Alan? Oh, I think we built seven. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I would challenge you to find a CEO and another organization like Lakeshore that really has kind of that broad background that he brings to the table. Well, uh, and now's the, now's the part, since we're live on here, is when I ask for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know Joe, Joe pointed that towards me, but I, I, one of the things that I pride uh, myself on and Lake, uh, that I'm proud about working for Lakeshore and what we tell all new employees here when before COVID and we could meet them all in person was that Lakeshore is unique in a lot of, in, in one respect um, that all of our programmatic directors and supervisors and that's right up to the top, have all started out as direct care employees. So it, we don't have people in supervision positions that just came out of uh, college and got appointed to a supervisory job. And now we're telling people, you know, or directing people to do one thing when they haven't done it themselves. And so um, that does provide for a much better and empathetic uh, uh, management uh, environment. And the people who, I, I feel bad that most of the employees that come here initially as their first job experience don't know what a benefit that is. And I'm not trying to boast about it, but when you go someplace where you haven't had that, you'll find very quickly. And I've worked in an environment like that, that, uh, you know, the mentality do as I say, not as I do is prevalent in there because they don't know what it's like to have to, uh, experience some of those, uh, challenges that people who work direct care deal with on a daily basis that make the job so challenging but yet rewarding but also hard to uh retain people in mm -hmm. could you expand more on some of the services that you provide for the community sure we um we have two um as i mentioned earlier we, we provide two targeted uh uh areas of uh service mental health and uh intellectual disabilities and within both of those uh fields we have a variety of, of programs and services that we offer on the mental health side, which is our smaller uh, side, we offer blended case management, mobile case, now I can't speak, blended case management, uh, mobile medication monitoring, uh, which is, uh, some people don't even know what that is, but, and also I'll elaborate a little bit on that. That's where uh, folks who have mental health issues and have challenges dealing and monitoring their own medications uh, on a regular basis, which is their biggest, uh, one of the largest, uh, contributing factors to them relapsing and experiencing more challenges with mental health, we go in and help them monitor medications and ensure that they're they're taking the medications that they're prescribed at the intervals that they're prescribed and helping them to reorder them so they don't run out uh, and just facilitating that uh, that support so that people can be more can become more independent in their medications administration. Now, blended case management is pretty uh, we that's our uh, our biggest program and that's where we help folks. Uh, deal with the challenges and navigate the system that uh, uh, um, that they that 
help them navigate the system that can be so challenging for folks, let alone folks who have mental health uh, challenges. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we help them uh, from everything from their securing living environments and ho housing to helping them with their bank accounts, the things that cause you and I stress, which also then contribute to their mental health challenges. We help them, we help try to alleviate that and allow them or help them to better navigate that, those challenges. Um, on the ID side, um, and we have some other smaller programs in the mental health, you know, CHIP housing, they're much smaller uh, local programs. On the ID side, our primary services, the primary service that we provide is residential housing, which is, uh, I hate to use the term group homes, but for folks with developmental disabilities, they live in a congregate care facility of up to four individuals. Um, and we provide staffing if need be up to 24 seven, um, 365. The, um, uh, we provide that service across Northwest Pennsylvania, uh, Erie County, Warren County, Clearfield, Jefferson, McCain County, uh, as far south as Dubois. Um, we provide those services. Um, in addition to the residential programs, we, we provide community-based base, community day services, uh, adult training facility in Warren, uh, Pennsylvania. We have one of those down there. And then uh, we provide a couple programs like it's called Life Skills, where we get people out in the community and uh, uh, help support them learn tasks that will better promote the potential for moving into a vocational uh, situation for them. So, um, and then we have another program, which is small uh, called Life Sharing, where we have people who uh, open up their homes to folks with intellectual disabilities and uh, uh, are receive a small stipend. They're not employees of ours, but they are uh, receive support from our, our, our uh, staff and helping them navigate the challenges that uh, welcoming somebody into their home can provide. But that becomes a more lifelong commitment. It's one of the ways the state's moving to reduce costs uh, and provide a more natural living environment for the folks or for folks with intellectual disabilities. Wonderful. Wonderful. You're, it really sounds like you're there for them 24 seven. You're there for anyone who reaches out to you in need, who's really just, wanting someone to take care of a loved one who's really in need, they feel like they will be in good hands with you rather than, you know, rather than just taking a gamble and let's see what we get here, you know? Right. Well, and, and the one thing that Alan didn't say, and I'm, I'm sure, it, it, like I said, we, we kind of, there's a lot to talk about here, but you know, in a lot of these situations, we are their family. Uh, uh -huh. The people in that live in the group homes or community homes, however you want to refer to them. I mean, a lot of these people are, you know, some of them are a little bit elderly, but we become their family. I mean, the, the folks here at Lakeshore become their family. And and it's like having a sibling that you care for or a mother or a father that are aging. Uh, you know, we, we become their family. I mean, it, it's really when, when you see how some of these people interact, some of our consumers, we refer to the people that are that we serve as consumers. When you see some of these consumers and their relationships with the direct, the direct service, it, it's crazy. I mean, the, the bond there is just unbelievable. So it, it really, it's really, it's really rewarding. Mm -hmm. That brings up a question. If there was someone out there who is, let's say they're new to the Erie area or they're new to having a loved one who has different abilities, let's say, you know, um they they're looking for that support they're looking for these answers how would they how would they get in contact with you like how would they get the process started yeah um that's one of the biggest challenges with the system and when i say the system in general 
most of the services that we provide are based on referrals from, excuse me, a case management organization. Like in Erie County, it's Erie County Care Management. Um, they manage, they have supports coordination there, excuse me. And they will, they'll, um, uh, they monitor vacancies within the service arena that you're trying to provide or look for. And so they'll, if, if you have a loved one, you, you would call Erie County Care Management and they would say, okay, Lakeshore has uh, a vacancy that sounds like it might suit this person. That's very simplistic. There's a whole assessment that goes in, in that's involved in that, um, that determines, you know, what type of care you need. There's a medical assessment. There's a doctor has to uh, dictate whether your waiver eligibility, because that's the funding stream we're in. Um, and, and that's, a, that's probably one of the, the more, um, I say sad parts of that. There, there are people right now that struggle with the challenges that uh, caring for uh, a person with a developmental disability can present as people age, you know, family members age, they want to keep that person home. But once you get to a point where you're having difficulty taking care of yourself, you can't take care of a loved one who has uh, some of these challenges. So they then seek to place or find supports for them. Uh, it's not an overnight thing. Um, and Unfortunately, and we, we've had this happen many times over the years, fortunately, it's been less and less because we, these, the folks in need of service have been identified earlier in life. We would get a call on a Friday afternoon and say, hey, uh, Alan, we've, we've got somebody that uh, his parent passed away today. They were their sole provider. Can you take them in and as an emergency placement? And we've done that. And there was at some times some of those folks had there was no knowledge that that person even existed. And so they've never been in any kind of care or supports. And uh, suddenly now they're thrust into a group home and it's a traumatic experience for them. So it's a long drawn out uh, process, part of it by design and necessity, but it's one that uh, we wish we could shorten and uh, make it much more simplistic uh, because uh, you do need to have choice in what provider you, you seek out for your, for your loved one. That's not to say there isn't choice, but if you don't know what choices you have, you're at the at the mercy of uh, the folks who the folks that refer you. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that brings up a good follow up question. Have you had someone or, you know, not naming any cases or anything like that, but have you had people who where you said you've taken them and it seems like they've been very sheltered, very like kept at home, kept <clears throat> and you have to bring them into this new environment. Like what are some things that you do to make the process a bit easier or as good as it can get, let's say. Well, if, if it's not an emergency placement, there's a long uh, trial uh, period where we start out with gradual visits. You know, you just introduce them. We may, we go meet the individual in their home and in their environment. And then we start developing a relationship with them in their home and environment and then start incorporating them when they become comfortable to staff into our environment and come over for dinner, meet some of the folks you may be living with, take them out for activities. Uh, ideally, it's a several month process where uh, it's kind of a natural progression. It's like if you were to move into a new neighborhood and you meet your neighbors, you know, you walk over and introduce yourself, but you don't just walk over and start eating out of their fridge the next day, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, a month from now, you're opening their fridge door and walking in and saying, hey, how you doing? So it's kind of that's that type of thing where uh, that's the ideal circumstance. Um, unfortunately, so many times, though, we, we do end up where, you know, it's a health related issue that's precipitating the the move and so you don't have that luxury 
But even in those you know, cases, we do like Alan said, though, it, it, it really is amazing. It doesn't, you know, it does matter. But it, however they get there, the process here at Lakeshore clearly works. And, and I, I think I'm looking at it from a completely different perspective than the people that work here. You know, I'm, I'm the marketing guy. Right. So uh, but these guys really know how to take care of these people. They know how to service their needs and, and their wants and their desires. And, and it really works. Like if you go to any of our group homes, that's their home. And these people are very comfortable there. They're very comfortable with the staff. So, so, and I, I know in my year here, I know of some consumers that have, like Alan said, that have come in on an emergency basis. And I know of some that have come in through the traditional method, but the end result is really amazing to me how, like Alan said, their home, you go into their group home, it's their home. Uh, I mean, and we treat it like that, certainly, but what whatever we are doing here, the important thing is they feel like that, which is really remarkable. Love it. And Joe, I've seen on social media, I've seen through your works, you're really pushing to get people out into the community as well, through events like a Seawolf's game or uh, something as simple as like going down to Prescott Isle or something. What are some of your favorite events to host throughout through this career? That, that that's that's the one thing the agency had never done before were any events you know a lot of the a lot of the places have signature events you know sarah reed has their super bowl you know the barber center has the beast on the bay so we're trying to develop a few signature events here and one of them is the art show we had our first art show last year and we're actually working on our second one this year uh the big difference for our art show uh is all of the the pieces of art are made by our consumers so the people in the group homes, mental health programs. So we're trying to find these signature events, do one a quarter maybe, um, you know, or a couple of big ones a year. So we're try trying to get out there. So like Alan said, it, it's hard to fundraise and hard to ask for help when nobody, when th they think, oh, you're the golf club. Why do you need my help? Uh, so we're looking to do these signature events. If you look on our social media, if you look on the Lakeshore social media page, uh, I, I can't take any of that credit. That is all of our staff. I mean, uh, we have a pair, Alan knows well, Sarah and Jody. Sarah is the direct service provider. Jody is her consumer. Um, these people, I don't think I've traveled that much in my life, Alan, as much as Sarah and Jody. Get I mean, just, what the other day, they were at Woodcock Dam and what, Conneaut Lake, right? So, uh, I mean, so we're just publicizing. What I'm doing in, in there, Nick, is, yes, I'm spreading the word, but what I'm saying is that people with disabilities want the same life that you and I have. Uh, okay. that they, they can go to Woodcock Dam. They can go to Conneaut. They can go to the mall. They can go. They, they want and need and deserve the same life that you and I have. And that that's really what our agency does. And I, I'm literally the middleman of just getting that out into the community to let people know that we have this awesome staff that takes care of these these amazing people. Wonderful. And you're absolutely right. You are, they want to be like us. They don't want, you know, all these things that they just want to be normal. They just want to be treated like everybody else. So you are 100% into the out, do a show. Bravo to you guys. Lens, oh, that, like, that, I mean, the, the, one of the, one of the first things that, you know, Alan and I, you know, I report directly to Alan. And that was one of the first things that he told me is, you know, our, our consumers are not labeled. They, we don't treat them differently. We don't, you know, nope. 
I mean, some people have certain requirements, but we really treat them as if, you know, the same way that we would treat you on the street. If we saw you on the street, you know, I mean, they, mm -hmm. they really, that was Alan. Alan is really, uh, and I commend him for this. Uh, he is really a, a advocate and protector of their rights for having access to everything as, as they should. Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. And you're right. It's, it is those rights. It's the rights from the little things that we take for granted every single day, like rights to access our money, right? To access, you know, just general care, just these simple rights that you never think of every single day until they're taken away from you in some form or another, until you're laying in bed one day, critically ill, wondering what's to happen next. You know, you can't go home. You can't do this. That's when you start thinking about how blessed you are in life and how these little things really add up, you know? Well, go ahead, Alan. Oh, no, I was going to say, what, you know, the, the, the clinical term that they use is normalization. And yes. the reality is most of the folks that we've served the, as they've aged, that number's gone down, but came from state institutions. And the changes that they, they exhibit when they come out of a, a congregate care facility like Folk to a place where you have the individualized and one-on-one -on -one, uh, care and and uh, interaction, consistent interaction. It's amazing to see how people blossom. I, I mean, we and I, I don't mean this to sound uh, magnanimous or religious or anything, but we've seen people who haven't been able to walk because they've been in a wheelchair who will be able to walk when they get into a group home because they're, they get the support they need to get through the physical um, rehab. Uh, we have had people who never really spoke before suddenly start speaking. No. It takes a while, but it's a word here and there. But because they were always ignored, they never spoke. Um, you know, lots of those things have happened over the years. And and that's what keeps you going every day is when you, you realize that uh, you really do make a difference in people's lives. I mean, we have people that come from that have lived in horrific situations who when Joe says this is their home, this is their home. Now, they don't want to go home on visits because this is their home and what they experienced in their old in their old home uh isn't isn't what they want to experience anymore they don't want to go back to that and that and that's not our goal by any means you know we want people to continue and maintain their their family relationships and all that but folks who can't differentiate between what they what they endured or experienced at home and what they experience now i mean hey you know i, I don't like to go to places that aren't air conditioned in summer some are not heated in the winter so I stay in the places that are in those environments. So our consumers are no different. Hey, if I'm treated really well here and I get to watch what I want here, when I go home, I don't get to watch what I want, you know, because it's not my house. So uh, that's the kind of things that, uh, you know, make you get up and want to want to do this every day is that you can change people's lives. And that was my next question. You guys seem very passionate about what you do on a daily basis for each of you. What is that? Not that motivation, but what's that? That makes you wake up in the morning and get to go. I get to go to work today rather than I got to go to work today. Oh, that might be extreme, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Back when I worked here at K, I was probably more more inclined to have that response. And you know, I, I just I just come here because Alan buys me licorice. That's <laughs> I, you know I, you know one of the things uh, as everybody who you know you always want to advance and challenge yourself uh, as you progress in your career and. Uh, this job is very rewarding and it's in in some respects. I never thought I'd be head of an organization like this. Um, 
But when I worked direct care, I got paid to uh, do things that I would do in my free time anyway. Um, and so when you talk about passion, and I got to share that with people who never would have got to do that if it wasn't for me being paid to do that with them. Um, so, you know, we would go to the North Pier and fish for a shift or we'd go uh, to the movie theater and you got paid to do that, to go out to dinner, um, to experience life and see the, you know, some staff would never take consumers to do some of those things. You got to do it, got paid for it and see the impact that that had on their lives. You know, excuse me, we, we took a group one, one year down to the Outer Banks and they'd never been to the Outer Banks. They'd never been on vacation and nobody had ever done that in this field. So what do you mean you're taking your group home to the Outer Banks? We're packing them up. We rented a house for a week and we're going. And we did. And we took a bunch of staff and we went down there and had a great time. And, uh, you know, they'd never experienced the ocean. So they got to experience things that they never experienced. You got paid to go on vacation, essentially. And that's the thing that's nice about this job, other than you're obligated to the hours you work. Lots of times it's like you're just getting paid to go in and live life and share your life with someone else. So Love that's what keeps me going. And you make a difference doing it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Joe, how and about you? That, that's what. Uh, so in, in my little time here, a little over a year, uh, of course, I'm doing stuff in the office, but I've also worked in some of the group homes. Um, and, and I will tell you what is nice for me is uh, we, especially in Warren, in Erie just as much, but uh, the guy that runs our program in Warren does a lot of events down there. He'll do, you know, Christmas in July. And we had Santa arrive on a motorcycle. Uh, we just had our Christmas party and celebration down there. Um, for me, my heart just falls apart when I go to Warren and the consumers are yelling, Joe Lang, Joe Lang, you know, and they come up and give me a hug. And my friend, I have one particular, I think probably everyone has one favorite over another, but my, my favorite is Clifford in Warren. We were on Facebook Live doing a, uh, a you know, a Facebook Live from Warren for the Christmas thing. And uh, Clifford, you know, he didn't, he didn't care. He came right <laughs> and he gives me a big hug. And, you know, I mean, so. Uh, again, if I if I can showcase uh, how special these people are and that they deserve everything that that you and I have, uh, that's what keeps me coming here. Is because mm -hmm. their their challenges. I mean, for some of these people, brushing their teeth is a challenge. And it, just think about all the things that you take for granted. I mean, brushing mm -hmm. your teeth is probably one of them. Mm -hmm. So if, if if I can showcase these people and show that they are they are really unique and special and deserve everything that they get, then that's a good day for me. I love it. Now you mentioned right there, a little snippet of a feel good story. What about another feel good story from you guys that exemplifies what this organization stands for just from your personal experience? Uh, Alan has 800 million of them. So I'll let him answer because his stories are, are wonderful. Uh, gosh, I'm, I'll use one that uh, I'll tell you about one. There was a, a gentleman that uh, was residing. He's part of the Ruth L Project. Uh, it's one of the reasons I came to to, to Lakeshore. He was um, he he had been there for I, I think 20, 25 years at the time. He was in his sixties, uh, late sixties, and he was living his life in what's called a posy chair. And for people who don't know what a posy chair is, it's a PVC chair that has it's made out of strap material and he was literally strapped in that with a restraining belt and he lived in that 24 7 and uh i shouldn't say 24 7 awaking hours he did go to bed at night so i, I apologize but um 
we got down there. We couldn't understand. So why is he in this posy chair? Well, he said, well, he can't walk. And I said, well, why is he, why is he restricted? Why can't he get out? Oh, well, he had the tendency as like everybody else said, he liked to grab the nurse's rear ends. I mean, uh, <laughs> not at, but he, he had, and so they didn't like that, which it's not appropriate. And so he was in a restraint. He was in a, a restraint 24 seven waking hours. Um, and he wouldn't, wouldn't and didn't talk, but they said he couldn't, couldn't walk. So, um, we got this gentleman, uh, back into Erie, um, and, uh, immediately got him out of a, out of the posy chair and got him into a wheelchair and he would wheel himself around. And he, all he wanted was, uh, attention and affection. You, you figure we all need affection of some sort. You want to be hugged. You want to feel important. And staff gave him the attention he needed. And within six months, he was walking. And although he could never talk completely, he was speaking in a way that uh, he never spoke before, that we, we were familiar with him. And to think that this man spent 20 years in a chair just because people weren't willing to take the time to give him what he needed and craved, um, which was some attention and affection, um, just amazing. That's a feel good. The other one, and it also is Ruth Allen, I'll give you another, if you've got time here, I'll give you one more. We had, we had a gentleman that was um, also at Warren State Hospital. He absolutely, we had to bribe him to even talk to us. He, no way in heck did he want to come back to Erie he wasn't coming back to Erie to no way. And so he was throwing Cokes at us when we come in the room. And he, you know, I don't want to talk to you, Alan Benson. I don't want to talk to you, Carlin Jolt. And so every week uh, we would drive down to Warren and go in and try to interject ourselves into his life. We didn't tell him we we're going to move, we, you know, move him out or bring him back. We were just going to talk to him. After weeks, we finally got to spend a few minutes with him and talk to him. After a couple more weeks, we got to take him and have lunch with him. After a few more weeks, we got to uh, get him out and go out to lunch. And he didn't even want to leave the grounds, but he'd go out to lunch with us. We kept trying to get him to say, hey, how about you just come up the area and look at the house? Nope, nope, nope. So finally, I said, I'll tell you what, we've got a case of Coke in it. If you come up the area, you know, <laughs> just take a ride up. So, okay. So we got him to ride up. He walked in the group home. He never left. He didn't even go back. He wanted to stay right there. We didn't even have overnight back for him. Uh, and he never returned to Warren State Hospital. And to the day he passed, he was happy, content, and it was just feeling comfortable and secure enough in his environment. I can't imagine living in a place like a, an institution like that where you don't have that sense of security enough that the moment you see this home that you absolutely said you were never going to live in because you didn't want to move again, this is the only security blanket you had is your room. Suddenly that's where you stay. Never went back. That's one of my, uh, of all the stories I have, that's probably one of my most uh, favored stories because it just showed he is a person. They never said, you'll never get him out of here, let alone get him out of here to move. Um, and we thought once we got a visit here, we'd be another month or month of overnight visits, you know, with another trip, another trip, another trip, back and forth, back and forth. And he never went back. He stayed. And uh, it's it's one of my, you know, I uh, till the day he passed, he talked about it. He was glad he came to Erie. 
Mm. And and what 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 Alan is saying uh, is is like he and and Carlin, the other person that he spoke about, they have a passion for doing this, and that's what our people have. The, the, you know, we pay really well, uh, but and some days, like Alan said, you go to the movie theaters. Some days you go fishing, um, but other days are not that easy. Uh, and and even though we do pay really well, uh, it's a passion. I see these people. Uh, work with our consumers. It it is a it is a clear passion. There's no way else you can have a story like Alan because most people would just give up and say, okay, this person can't walk or talk, so let's let's make them comfortable or do whatever. No person would invest the time uh, into these consumers. But it, it, I I see it all the time when I go to the group homes or or different programs here. I see how these people have a passion to to improve the lives of these people, and that's that's really. I mean, those two stories that Alan told, that, that's the passion that goes into just improving the life of people that are just, again, so far behind the eight ball. You, you can't understand why someone else isn't helping them. But, you know, thank God we have these people. And I would offer, too, the one thing that um, Carlin and myself, we've been here the longest of any. Carlin's even been here longer than I am. Uh, I have. But neither one of us came into this field this wasn't our choice. I, I took this, I started out as a part-time job. I was going to Gannon. Uh, I was in the reserves. I was in ROTC and uh, it was a way to supplement my income while I was going to college. And I changed my major. It, it sucked me in. And I, even at that point, even after I changed my major, I didn't plan on doing this all my life. Carlin was the same way. She was a communications major at Syracuse. And, you know, she started out doing this part-time on her home visits. And uh, I can guarantee you 32 years later, she did what this wasn't going to be what she expected to do with her life or career. So, um, you know, you don't do it for the pay. Um, you're not going to get rich doing it, but uh, it is a field that has a lucrative benefit. Uh, you know, you usually get lots of time off. You get decent pay and great benefits in terms of health care and those types of things. So uh, and you get something that makes you feel like you've made a difference and have accomplished something, you know, uh, which, excuse me, you really can't put a price tag on that. Mm-hmm. First off, go Knights. You know, and secondly, you guys are really exemplifying one of my favorite sayings in life, which is man who works for passion is far richer than man who works for money. Yeah. I mean, Joe mentioned it a dozen times. You mentioned it. It's a passion. It's not something you're going to go in and, you know, make a make a rich living off of where where the next year you're going to be moving to California or something like this. Well, and I, I don't mean I don't mean to sound corny or, or silly or whatever, but when I was telling that story about Clifford and Warren, he didn't care. He could have cared less what I was doing. He had to come up and say hello and hug me. You know, for me, I just won the lottery. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that that is, uh, you know, I, I just I can't put a price on that. Mm-hmm. So what about your hopes and dreams for this up for 2023? What are your goals for the organization? Make mega millions. Joe's <laughs> talking about how much he loves it here and keeps soliciting. I would be very generous to Lakeshore. <laughs> no, uh, I, my hopes and dreams for 2023 is uh, I, I would, you know, as passionate as most of our employees are for the work that they do, the staffing crisis has created such a burden on how much they do work. Because you do, no matter how much you love your job, you have to have an a balance of home life and work life. And right now that's disproportionate. They're, they're working in inordinate amounts of overtime. 
uh, to ensure that our people's needs are met. And if there was one thing that I could hope, it would be that uh, that somehow, and unfortunately, I think the only thing that's going to change is if the economy tanks. Because in all my years here, the only time we've ever had significantly high employment rates is when the economy is in the, in the downturn or at the bottom. Um, because these jobs are guaranteed, uh, you know, you're not usually subject to layoffs. Um, so you, you can work in this field when you can't work in the retail or, you know, industry or commercial or industry industrial field. Um, but I would hope that we can change the, uh, the work shortage and the state will find it that, that through COVID they'll recognize that this population is vulnerable and that the work that people do in it is, uh, imperative that it's well supported and that there's consistency in the staff that provide the service because without consistency our folks can't flourish um you know if you don't know who's walking through the door of the next shift and they don't know what your challenges are what your needs are you're going to go through a shift with unmet needs no matter how much documentation is there uh there'll be something that isn't some part of your life that isn't fulfilled so consistency is imperative and uh, that would be my greatest hope for 2023. Whether it will materialize, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I just, my hope is just to showcase the people that do this work. And like Alan said, uh, I wanna showcase them because they are, I mean, to, to say that they are burning the candle at both ends is an understatement. So I would like to showcase them and it's a little bit tricky. I wanna showcase them and, and the great job they're doing, but also I wanna present it in a way that is appealing to other people to come do this too. And, and I want people to come do it as a passion and not for the paycheck. Because uh, mm -hmm. like said, we, we do pay pretty well and we have really good benefits, but I want people to come do it for the passion. So if I can showcase the people that do this work in 2023 and people can see how important it is then then hopefully like alan said we can resolve some of that that labor shortage that we and everyone else is experiencing wonderful and where can we learn more about lakeshore where can we learn more about this wonderful organization uh, you can go to our website at uh, lakeshorecs.org uh, we have a wealth of information there joe's been imperative in improving and updating our website um and feel free to call any one of uh, on the website, call the numbers there and talk to any of our program directors. Uh, our contact information is on there and they'd be happy to uh, fill you in and provide you any information that's not on the website that you might need. And you can also follow us on Facebook. Like I said, we showcase a lot of our consumers and our, our DSPs and our programs. Uh, we have a big event coming up in April. Uh, William Stillman, who is a, a really big renowned author in the autism community, is coming to Warren and Erie in April. Uh, so if you if you want the website, like Alan said, is a great source of information. But if you want more up to date things, I would really follow the Lakeshore Community Services page because that's where you're going to see uh, Bill Stillman and his appearances in Erie and Warren, our art show. Uh, we have uh, collaboration with the Autism Society Band. There's all sorts of things on there, uh, but that's a good place to go to. Wonderful. I have two final questions for you that makes this an official buddy cast. <laughs> the first one is for both of you, brought to us by my buddy Jonas Kane at Hashtag Positivity. He wants to know, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Let Joe go. Well, for, for me, that that's always been uh, a 24-7, 365 obligation. Um, if the phone rings at 3.30 in the morning and you see a name on there that you know, uh, 
you answer the phone. Um, or if you see someone on the side of the road, you know, with a flat tire, you stop and help them. So for me, being a buddy has a bunch of different degrees. It can be holding the door for someone at Walmart. It can be helping someone change their tire, or it can be, you know, your friend at 3.30 in the morning who just lost their job or lost their dog or a parent or something. But to me, that that's what it is to be a buddy is, is just to be accessible and, and sometimes just listen. Or if you have skills and talents and they're, they're required, bring those. That's, that's what it means to me. Mine's probably even a little more simplistic. Well, not a little, a lot more simplistic. Yeah. Being a buddy is uh, being family without the bloodline. Uh, you know, the, those people that are close to you, that uh, to Joe's point, that you, you know, they call you at three o'clock in the morning, you're there for them. Uh, I don't have a, I have a, and there are varying degrees. You have a, a, you know, but the varying degrees of buddies doesn't impact the, the amount of uh, commitment and uh, dedication you have to those folks, whether it's somebody you work with uh, and only see them Monday through Friday, eight to five, they're still a friend. They're still part of your, 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 your circle of life. Uh, you got to be there for everyone. So that that's kind of what it means to me. Wonderful, wonderful answers. The final question I have for both of you today is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Ready for this one? What is your advice to anybody? And you've touched a lot about on this with a lot of the answers about passion. But what is your advice to anybody who wants to go into this field of work, who wants to work with people with different abilities, who really wants to make a difference in somebody's life? So I'm, I'm going to defer to Alan on that one because I'm the marketing guy. So <laughs> I don't feel like I don't feel it's fair for me to answer that question because I, I, there, our CFO that Alan referenced a little while ago says we do not do the heavy lifting, and she is absolutely correct. The, pe the people that are that are helping our consumers they do the heavy lifting. So I'm going to let Alan answer that. You know, it, it's uh, the well advice or how I guess the the advice I have is that uh, if you don't have a passion for this, because if you find working, getting paid to do what you like, and getting a job that has good benefits, uh, but not ecstatic or wealthy pay. If that's what you're coming for, don't come. And I say that because the pay uh, and the benefits, if that's why you're here, you won't make the difference in someone's life. You'll come here and you'll reap the benefits of the pay of the, the work environment where you get to get paid to go out for a movie, but you'll go out to the movie you want to see not the movie that Joe wants to see who you're working for. Um, and so those are the people that come into the field that I, I, I tell they're not, they're not, they're not the, um, they're not the changers. They're not going to change people's lives. They're going to ensure that they're help. They're, they're safe. And, and uh, that's about it, you know, uh, and that their basic needs are met. To me, it's more about people wanting to come into the field that have, and, and you've said it before, passion to help people make people's lives. Everything else is gravy. You know, the benefits, the getting to paid to do what you want to do uh, the, and to experience the things that you like, that's gravy. Uh, but having the passion to come in and, and work with people and see the difference that you make. And sometimes it may take you months or weeks or years to make that difference that it's noticeable. I mean, it could take you months to learn to teach somebody how to make their bed properly. But when they do and they're so proud of it and they're showing their parents, hey, look, and I made my bed. 
um, or I, you know, I, I, I graduated from school finally, or uh, I got a job, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, those are things that are life-changing for the folks that we, that we support. And so um, those are the people, it's easy to get into the field. We don't, uh, you know, there are many, many providers like us. Uh, we're all desperate for staff, but I'd rather endure the shortage than hire the wrong staff and have people that come here for the wrong reasons. Uh, because the people that suffer for that are the people that we support. Love it. Joe, how about your advice for anyone who wants to go into marketing? Well, so I, I always say every marketing person's goal should be the golden arches. Uh, so if you look at the golden arches, you don't need an explanation. You don't need any words. You know exactly what they are. Uh, so that should be your goal. And that's a pretty lofty goal for any business to achieve. I mean, McDonald's has been at it for a long time and they have the same logo, but that should be your goal. If you want to go into marketing, it is how to propel whatever company you're working for to the top, how to make the recognition, you know, visual and how to make the recognition positive. You know, when people look at the golden arches, they go Big Mac. You know, people look at the Lakeshore Community Services sign and they go agency doing good, you know, not golf clubs. So if you're going to go into marketing, um, have a clear direction with your, I mean, like I'm very lucky I get to report to Alan and again, I'm not blowing sunshine up his skirt, but like Alan's vision and my vision for this agency are very similar is, is to let people know about the good things that we do. So if you want to go into marketing, have a vision and, and the vision should always be the golden arches. Will you achieve that? Probably not. But again, you want to get as close to that as possible. So that start with a vision and get people to support your vision and buy into that vision and you're on your way. Have a vision. Perfect. Perfect answer. Well, buddies, thank you so much for taking the time to stop here on buddy cast. It was a pleasure to meet you, Alan, Joe, always great catching up with you, buddy. My pleasure, Nick. Thank you. You guys are welcome back on the show. Anytime, anything you want to promote, anything you want to talk about, you know where to find me. We've got a couple coming up. Don't worry. Yep. Sounds good. (laughs) And I got one favor to ask you guys before we close out this show. You cannot have Omega Millions numbers. I'm sorry. Darn it. <laughs> but my favorite today, please, whatever you do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, please go be someone's buddy. Not a problem. Thank you. Awesome. For my buddies out there, these are my buddies, Joe and Alan. Please check them out at Lakeshore Community Service. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. Thank you so much for being buddies on BuddyCast. We'll catch you next time here on everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast. Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past. Buddy, buddy, tune in to BuddyCast. Don't be lonely to make it, buddy. Here on Buddy Cast. Hey, buddies. You thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? 
Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.